hopefully will end in the next life in free improvisation, passion, and close connection with my soul. It is a story about moving beyond fear and insecurity to God-grounded authority. I think most of you know that I was a Dominican sister for 20 years. If you don't, here I am. At age 26, I was teaching junior high in Spokane in a Catholic school. And the associate pastor would come into my classroom often. Sister, can I just take Johnny out for a few minutes? I need to see him. Can I take Bart out, sister, for a few minutes? And I didn't have a clue that he was molesting me. It never occurred to me that there might have been too much counseling going on. In the end, my own sisters, the pastor and the bishop, whisked Father Pat O'Donnell away to Seattle and sponsored his master's degree in psychology and subsequently invited him back to the diocese to counsel teenagers. He's why the Spokane Diocese declared bankruptcy. One of the sisters finally told me what had happened three years after the fact. Until then, I suspected nothing. To put it in perspective, this was happening at the same time many of you were resisting the Vietnam conflict. I didn't know much about that either. Three years ago, one of the survivors killed himself. Horrific things can happen when we relinquish our authority to the highest bidder. How could I not have known? Well, I was a naive young person, and I was also damaged by Pat's abuse of my students and by the betrayal of my church. I didn't yet know how to move with God's grace towards spiritual maturity, and frankly, I didn't have mature and skilled help in doing that. Not very many of us did in the 70s. The environment of society, church, and convent was characterized by blind obedience to external authority, and I unconsciously chose to remain powerless because it was safer. Dancing the two-step kept my fears in check. I was kept a child by such attitudes and actions as having to kneel down and ask for a tube of toothpaste. That's just one of many stories, many of them really quite funny. It's not all horrible. Father was all-knowing and all-powerful. 
In all of these years, I've never forgotten the time I went to confession as a 20-year-old girl. And I asked a question, and the priest said, I'm the one who asked the questions here. You just answer mine. Yes, God. This use of my power was our sin, not just mine. It does take two to do the two-step. However, this is a story about spiritual development. And it does move with the spirit if we let it at whatever, whatever pace we're capable of. And so my time in the convent was absolutely not all unhealthy. The spirit moved powerfully in me during those years. The very best of Catholic tradition sustained me. As a sister in the days before the reform of Vatican II, I used to absolutely love chanting the office. Too young to understand then, I now know that the Gregorian chant took me to a place beyond words where I just really felt at home. And miracle of all miracles to my very, very talkative young self, I really hardly ever shut up. The silence that was really imposed from outside was an absolute godsend to me because I had to learn to be quiet. And I didn't learn it then, but several years later, I kind of rolled up my sleeves and sat at the dining room table and forced myself to be quiet and to listen to other people. I probably couldn't have done that had I not been made to be quiet in those early days, but it was really quite wonderful. Even though my image of God was undeveloped, and hindered me from recognizing and practicing my own authority. These spiritual disciplines gave the spirit space to begin my healing. And then my community sent me away to study further theology. And I would not be standing here today had that not happened, I'm quite sure. I took a class in process theology, which absolutely terrified me because it was all hanging out there in the air and I had to reevaluate everything. I remember coming out of class one day and meeting a Jesuit friend and he's saying, well, Rita, how are you today? And I said, well, Jim, I'm currently an atheist. And he said, oh, that's wonderful. They make the best spiritual directors. It was an invitation, that class, to dance the tango, ever so awkwardly. But I began it, and I began to let go of the images which had left me off the hook. But fortunately for me, and this didn't happen to everybody at that era, um, I think spirit just kind of really moved me. Uh, I chose to study the mystics. And so I had a few months to just delve into the mystics 
and into the psychology of Eric Fromm about the difference between having an authority and being authority. And that was pretty much the beginning. For a time afterwards, um, some of us had thrown the baby out with the basket and retreats and praying together, spiritual reading was just kind of put aside because the marketplace was the only thing, the only place we should be. And so when I came home, I looked very conservative to them, to my peers. I, I wasn't, but what had happened was Berkeley, and this is quite a miracle, mind you, Berkeley had radicalized me to the degree that I looked conservative. But I had found the real God who was unadorned instead of the convenient trappings that I had laid on poor God. The spirit choreographed that dance so expertly. She put in my path a professor who just, I wish she, I could say nudged me. She just pushed me into the marketplace and said, you could be doing this for justice, you could be doing that, and gave me the tools and showed me how to do it. And with quaking, quaking, quaking knees, I would do it. And it, it helped. Uh, but even though the healing had begun, I still felt ashamed and embarrassed of that little girl who didn't know those boys were being abused and who sold her authority to the highest bidder. I think probably the most profound spiritual experience I've had so far is like Jeremiah's when God lifted him up by the hair and transported him to Jerusalem. It was like that. <laughs> I was sitting at the dining room table trying to figure out what in the world I would be doing with these young women who came into the community and feeling kind of lost and I started reflecting on that little girl and without any words, I just found myself walking down to the chapel and lying on the floor before the altar. And I just held her. And I said, I love you. And I promise not to be ashamed of you anymore. Just live in God. Live that authority. I left the convent at age 38 on a mission to live as a laywoman among other laywomen doing justice. For a while I taught theology in Seattle and eventually began resisting the nuclear weapons at Kitsap Naval Base. Eventually as a member of the Ground Zero community I lived in a house beside the railroad tracks that take, I wish I could say took, that take missile propellant fuel by train in and out of the base. I lived alone in the woods. It was very quiet except for that event. And when a train would come in, I would find myself down on the tracks afterwards, lighting sage and praying for forgiveness and healing 
And I think that was the seed that told me that my, my vocation really was never to live in community life as a sister, but to live a contemplative life, which I could do any place if I did it intentionally. And at first it felt very strange that the place where I would learn that was in the midst of really intensive resistance work, very active marketplace. Now it's, I know it's just another step in the tangle. It's not different, it's, it's the same. So after that time in my life, I uh, taught in Tacoma for a while, and I now have the privilege of retirement and plenty of time and solitude to be able to live a contemplative life if I am deliberate about it and intentional. So I'm very grateful. But you know, I think my journey here started a long time before that. Um, I was drawn to nonviolence as a way of life and I've always respected Mennonites because of that. So it's no surprise that seven years ago I ended up on our doorstep. And a few months after I came, I said to myself, Rita, why don't you miss communion every Sunday? I mean, my entire life, communion every Sunday, except for the years where I didn't have any spiritual community. And I concluded that it's because you are the communion. And I realized that I receive communion every single Sunday. And for me personally, it's far richer than I've ever experienced in my life. So, thank you. So meet the tango of my old age. Doug, you're going to love this. She's, I'll pass it around. She's wearing a red dress with a pink blouse and pink flowers and a blue shawl and a red hat with pink flowers on it and uh, feathers that are blue and yellow. And I um, still trip all over that dress and I step on the Holy Spirit's feet all the time. But I'm on my way. And I love this image for my spiritual journey because those white stark bones are a huge symbol of just stripping it down and letting go of all the silly things that get in the way of the tango. So I, that's why I love the bones as she sits on my altar. I love the dance and I love you. <laughs> 